Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 144. Sail, sail, sail your boat, gently, nope, can't finish the rest or else that's copyright. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was really cheesy. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Maya as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a lovely day here. I know it's not going to be time relevant to when this episode comes out, but maybe it is. And I guess it's perfect day for sailing where I am. Hopefully it's a great day for sailing where you are. Well, uh... Yeah, it's a little hot and muggy and not much wind today, so it would be one of those floating days. Floating, relaxing, enjoying the nice breeze if there is one, and the sun rays if it's not too strong, and also stay hydrated. I sound like a teacher. Either way, <laughs> I'm sure you're going to tell me more about this, but before we jump into that, this is a tough question. Who is Maya? Oh gosh, yeah, I hate this question. <laughs> um, I am a scientist and mother of a delightful three and a half year old daughter living in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey, cool. I, I think this is the second time I had a scientist on my show. So, but I'm sure we're not going to be talking about science unless there's science involved in sailing. Uh, I don't know if you want to throw in some of that in there. I don't know. Maybe this is your episode. You can tell me whatever you want, but that's awesome. Perfect. And now for the next question, which is related, not necessarily to sailing, but more about you, Maya. So where can people find you on social media, websites, projects, or anything at all? It could be related to sailing or related to anything at all. Well, they pretty much can't. Um, <laughs> we have talked about uh, making a blog. So if that ends up being an impetus for us to put something together, I'll send you a link. But currently, really... We don't have anything really out there in the world. Well, you know what? The people will have this. This is all they need to know about you for now, right? Yeah, they'll have they'll have this. And then if I <laughs> do start a blog, I can link to it. Assuming you give me permission. You know. No, no. You, uh, you got to give me permission. <laughs> but yeah, once you get that, you can just send it to me and I'll add it in the link. So it'll be perfect. So people can know a little bit more if you want to share. But you know what? This is going to be enough. No, no promises, though. We've <laughs> been talking about starting a sailing related blog for like two years and it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> You know what? If it happens, it's great. If it doesn't happen, that's fine, too. At least you have this to share everything you want. And now we're going to jump right into the topic of sailing. So how did you actually get introduced to sailing? I'm sure it wasn't one of those little boats you had in the bathtub when you were a kid. You're like, you know what? I like this. It's probably bigger than that. And you had more experience. You know, I honestly don't even remember playing with any sailing toys as a kid. My real start with sailing is I moved across the country back to, I had been away for grad school and some career stuff and moved back to Minnesota because um, I was just ready for a location change. An old high school friend of mine uh, had bought a boat, I think the previous season, or maybe he'd had it for two years. And basically, the cheesy version would be I fell in love with him over his sailing. He's now my husband. Aww. But you know, we had been we had been good friends for for a long time. But then he introduced me to being out on the water, and I just kind of fell in love with both sailing and him kind of at the same time. Did you remember the first experience being on a sailboat? Like, okay, what is going on? Or you're like you're completely comfortable? Like, yeah, okay, take me away. Um, it, we were at the time on a relatively small lake in Minneapolis, so it didn't feel too intimidating. I remember thinking to myself, I can swim across this lake if I need to, <laughs> um, which is definitely not true of some of the sailing that we, that we do now. But, you know, I think his confidence and competence and interest in showing me the ropes, literally and metaphorically, you know, kind of made for 
good first experiences. And so this is your husband, your boyfriend at the time that showed you this. At what point you said, you know what, I want to give this a try. Was it like a few weeks later or the same day or a year later? Like at one point you're like, I'd like to learn how to sail myself. We were friends at first and then it's just, uh, he's completely obsessed with sailing. Um, and so he was like, come out to the boat, come out to the boat, come out to the boat. And I was like, sure. It's a beautiful day. Let's let's go out to the boat. And then from there, it's a little bit like I almost have to. And then we ended up dating fairly quickly after that and got married shortly thereafter. And so to some extent, it's like if I actually want to spend time with my husband, <laughs> I need to be at least a little bit into sailing. <laughs> um, and then but I think I discovered its merits from from day one, you know, just being out on the water. I've always enjoyed the the water and being out in nature. And then plus there's always little, there's always lots of stuff to fiddle with, which is really nice. So you have kind of that balance of peacefulness and relaxation, but also my little bit ADHD tendencies have an outlet. Um, <laughs> And speaking about, just a weird segue, I was going to say, speaking about ADHD, but I mean more of like the organizational skills for sailing, I would imagine there's a lot of knots to know how to do as well, right? For So for you, how did you learn how to do most of these knots? Was it like, let's say online or was it your husband or was it like, you know what, I'll just invent a knot and see how that works out? A little bit of all of those. We, I guess not so much the online, but we actually have multiple books about knots and every once in a while I'll practice new ones. You only really need a couple of different knots to make it work. You know, of course, you can get more specific and more technical with a lot of them. But I would say 90% of the time, I'm tying a simple cleat hitch, which I can mm -hmm. do like one handed with my eyes closed at this point. So, you know, and then a round turn and two half hitches is always a good one. And it isn't any more complicated than tying your shoelaces. It is a different knot than tying your shoelaces, but, <laughs> um, you know, so it's not that hard to pick up. But generally for me, just the tactile feel of it has really been how I pick stuff up. Um, looking at the knot diagrams, I'm not the most spatially inclined person. And so I just kind of scratch my head at it. But then you get out there and you need to lash something down and it's just like, OK, do this. Oh, yeah, that works. So following up with that, I'm sure different boats have pretty much the same knots everywhere. So... How many types of sailboats have you operated? Oh, that's a good question. So let me try to tally this up. I had my hands on the steering and really significantly operated, I would say, about four or five. I've been on a few other sailboats, you know, because people like to make friends at the dock and, you know, you might go out on somebody else's boat for a little ride with them. But when we started out, my husband had a Montgomery 17. So that's a fairly small sailboat, but pretty substantially built on um, smaller lakes. So I guess the three main ones that I have the most experience with would be that. And then we have a 30-foot boat, a Baba 30, up on Lake Superior now that we bought about two years ago. and Or this is our second season with it. And so a little less than two years. Oh, uh, and between that, we had a 26-foot boat that we then we then upgraded to the 30-foot um, and sold that. So, so those are the three main ones. And then we also do have a tiny little, like, nine-foot sailing dinghy that 
you know, kind of fits in the back of the truck. But I've only actually been out on that uh, a few times. So this might be a really tough question, but out of all those ones that you have operated, which one was like, this is the one for me? I, I feel like I'm connected to this one. I would say just because I learned on her and she is a really great boat. Um, shout out to Lyle Hess. If you ever hear this, you designed a wonderful series of boats um, <laughs> in the Montgomery. So that will always be kind of that first love, you know, like that first real relationship you had in high school. And they'll always have that little piece of your heart, you know. But then the Baba 30 is an amazing boat. Um, shout out to Robert Perry, who designed that one. Uh, it's an amazing boat. And so... There's just so much more that you can do with a boat that size. Like we can actually spend a week like living on it. And so it's just a different experience with in a 17 foot boat. Yeah, you can take a nice long weekend with as a as a couple, but like quarters are really cramped in the Baba 30. It's like I've got a stove. There's a working head with a shower um, space for not only my husband, but our kid and some level of guests. It's a boat that could really cross oceans. We have mostly been sailing in the Apostle Islands, um, which are a chain of islands off of northern Wisconsin. Um, but we do hope to do some longer voyages in the future, especially now that our baby isn't such a baby anymore. Like the idea that this is a boat we could actually sail through the Great Lakes and like down the eastern seaboard and go to Bahamas too is pretty amazing so i heard that it is bad luck to sail a ship without a name so on that note what have been the names for your ships the 17 foot one um is called no worries which is not we didn't name it that's the name it came with when we bought it you know we've all of our boats have been bought used and so i'm not in love with that name but it's also bad luck to rename a ship without going through elaborate rituals to do so and we just we tend to just color the montgomery which is the design of both that she is um and then the 26 boat we had uh was named sanctuary and the current boat is metafog and i'm guessing these are boats that you didn't have to name yourself but if you had the chance to name a boat any name you want i'm sure you've thought about this what name would you give it's a really hard question i think it's kind of like a child i would have to see the boat to know you know of course there's the appeal of Bodie mcboatface and then if you look around at the actual actual boat names you know in any marina a lot of them are these kind of cheesy nautical puns but it's like naming a, a child or a character in a novel you're writing you have to get to know them before you can give that answer i feel like you wouldn't give that name to your child <laughs> but like I, like I was thinking like, oh, you know what? I would name my boat Sir Bodington the third, even though there's not a first or second. But I'm like, would I name my son that? Probably not. But you know, there's, like, there's certain rules that apply for boats that you can't apply for children, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of somewhere in between. Like I would name my cat Sir Caddington the third. I wouldn't name my child that. <laughs> I'd want something like a little bit more serious with a boat. Because, you know, if you're really into sailing as a hobby if you're really spending time with your boat it's like you get to know her as a creature with her own quirks and own personality uh, so it's a little bit which i guess is true for cats too but everybody loves ridiculous cat names 
Yeah, if you, of course. Who doesn't? If they don't, they're they don't they're not creative with names for cats, and they don't like creative cat names. But no judgment, no judgment. <laughs> fish. I guess the scale for me goes fish, cat, boat, child. My first few pets were fish, three fish, and I named them cat, dog, and pickle. Which, you know, <laughs> it's appropriate, right? <laughs> I'm like, cat, dog. Oh, can't think of another word. Pickle. Yeah, that, that's definitely the same category. Uh, but yes, enough about my lack of imagination for animals. But back to you. Where have you actually traveled with your sailboat? And like, where was the longest trip you've ever done? So we've definitely gone with a smaller boat around to various lakes in Minnesota Lake. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that we're the land of 10,000 lakes, which is actually an underestimate, according to <laughs> the actual surveys. Um, but of course, not all of those are appropriate for sailing. So we've been around to several lakes uh, around the state for that. But other than that, mostly really kind of tooling around the Apostle Islands and a few neighboring towns up there. Like I said, we have plans for longer voyages. The islands themselves are just this kind of a sailing paradise because there's, it's 22 islands up there and a good portion of them have spots where you can at least anchor and then row your dinghy ashore depending on conditions. Some of them better, some of them worse for actually staying overnight. And we had, this was going to be the year where we were going to go to make a big crossing. We were going to back it up and cross over the lake to Isle Royale, which is up on the northern shore of Lake Superior, and maybe even try to go to Canada. And unfortunately, COVID uh, has changed that dynamic because... Isle Royale is a national park that is currently closed, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, I don't think the Canadians are wanting cross-border tourists, uh, and I don't know that we're really comfortable with that anyway. So we may have to kind of delay our going further afield for a little bit. The longest total trip length that we've had was about two weeks, but... That definitely involved, like, some going back to towns and visiting and not, like, a crossing. So we're not those people, you know, crossing oceans and making true passages. I think probably continuous sailing on travel of, you know, like, a day is the max that we've really done. That's interesting you mentioned the 10,000 lakes because I'm from Canada. And, you know, once things settle down, uh, hopefully we can, you know, travel between each other again. And then you get to experience everything here because we have a little area called Thousand Islands, which is kind of like, uh, I guess it was one big lake, but there's a thousand islands per, well, quote unquote, a thousand. But I guess that'd be a pretty good place to go sailing. Yeah, well, and potentially uh, there's some parts about being a little further out that are actually a little easier than being right up a bunch of um, little islands. But that's, that area is on our list of a place that we'd like to stop if we ever do, you know, enact this dream of kind of traveling through the, the Great Lakes a bit more. Well, once things open up, I, I'm, I'm trying to act like an ambassador to Canada. You're more than welcome to come in. You don't need my permission. I'm, no, I'm nobody. <laughs> But <laughs> as a Minnesotan, I feel a deep kinship for our fellow lovers of, you know, things like hot dish and hockey and 
superfluous apologies. See, you know what? We're 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 becoming family. You're my sister. This is this is a family conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are some do's and don'ts when it comes to sailing? One of my big pet peeves is, and this applies to all of you power boaters out there. Know the rules of the road. There are rules about who has right of way when you're approaching each other. And people aren't always the best at following those, but they are like actual Coast Guard rules. And basically, the kind of underlying principle of them is that the vessel with lesser maneuverability gets the right of way in in most situations. And so power boaters are kind of notorious for not necessarily knowing those. I think the skills that the level of skill that you need to operate a powerboat versus effectively sail kind of lend itself to people who are just like, oh, I can just buy a powerboat and drive it like a car to some extent. And this is not all powerboaters, of course. Yeah, I think it's really important to know who has right away. And then other safety stuff like wearing PFDs is really huge and sometimes neglected. We had kind of a wake up call when it's not legally required for an adult to wear a PFD at all times while they're sailing. But we were up on Lake Superior. The It was a somewhat rough day, not crazy, but the wind was up a little bit and some small waves. I remember I was down in the cabin and I was a little worried. And my, my husband had gone up to fix something on the mainsail and I knew he didn't have a life jacket on and was mildly worried about it at the time. Well, then later that same day, we were listening to our VHF radio and there was somebody who died. He was up fixing something, got tossed overboard. The waters in Lake Superior are really cold. So hypothermia is fast. If there's waves of even like a foot, it can be hard to see see somebody. Um, and so he just slipped, fell off, you know, that was it. And his wife was on the boat with him, but couldn't, couldn't find him. They definitely sent maydays out and stuff. But after that day, we just kind of decided we're just wearing our life jackets all the time. It's kind of like when you go riding a bike, like for adults, you don't need to wear a helmet, but it's highly recommended because you never know what could happen. Like it's just one sudden move and then you can hit your head really hard. So it's better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. And, you know, I would say for anybody who sails as a hobby, investing in a comfortable life jacket that you don't mind wearing makes a big difference. We have kind of, you know, fancy inflatable ones. So it's not this huge honking thing that interferes with your motion. And so then there's no excuse to not wear it. So mm-hmm. spend the spend the 250 bucks. If you're going to spend significant time out on the water, you know, spend the 250 bucks, get one of those so that you'll actually wear it because it's not a big burden. And this is kind of like a great segue to my next question. It's a stupid question. Now I'm looking at it, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because Alex is known to ask stupid questions. Do you prefer to go sailing alone or with company? I think I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's kind of a family activity for us. Now, I don't I don't mind taking the taking the helm for a few hours and, you know, sending my husband down to go take a nap or something. And I should say I am by no means an expert. Um, I'm still definitely a novice sailor 
So like coming in and out of a slip in a marina alone, I'm not like super comfortable with. So it's definitely a family activity for us, or at least with, you know, an extra crew person. Plus my, my, my husband would be, would probably be really sad if I was like, I'm going to go sailing and you can't come. <laughs> You'd be like, pretty please, can I? It's like you're punishing him for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to sit here and watch us. I'm going to live stream our sailing trip. Oh my goodness, we're having so much fun. He's like, why? <laughs> and like you were saying, it's a family activity. And at the same time as well, it's a extra layer of safety. Because if somebody were, to, somebody were to fall off into the water, at least you have somebody else there that can probably either help out or it's always good to do something with somebody else just in case. Yeah, I mean, people people do single hand and there are situations where that makes more sense. You know, if you're on a lake of a few acres, a warm lake of a few acres, that's one thing. If you're going to be sailing several hours out into some islands on Lake Superior, you know, I know some people do do it alone, but... I I wouldn't be super comfortable with that. So just remind me, if I ever do decide to go sailing, that I go with you because you're an expert, you and your family, just so you could just watch me like, okay, yeah, I need I need safety. I need people to know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, we we love taking friends and stuff out who've never who've never been sailing or on a few occasions, even like total strangers that we ran into at the dock a few times. It's been like, well, you want to. <laughs> you want to go out for a few minutes like <laughs> take a little spin and uh that's i would say that's fairly common in the in the sailing community you know if you hang out around a marina and make friends with people you'll end up having an invitation to go out for for a sail which is also a great segue to my following question how is the community around you is it very inviting or is like everybody some people are like oh this is my boat no it's just to myself i don't want to share it i, I want to show it off but i want to share it so share it is one thing like I don't think we would not let a random person just like take our boat out on their own. Kind of like how you might give somebody a ride in your car, be a lot more discriminating about who got to like go take a road trip in your car without you. But in general, I've been really amazed at how awesome and supportive and inclusive the sailing community is in general. Like it has this reputation as being this sport for old rich white dudes and that's not entirely untrue if you look at the the demographics of it but at least in our local clubs i have never felt anything but welcomed and embraced and i'll say i'm a young mixed race not white female which is pretty uncommon in the sailing community, but I've never felt that has mattered to anyone except people being like, oh my gosh, a young family out here. Welcome. <laughs> How are you guys? What boat do you have? You know, so I'm sure there might be some hoity-toity yacht clubs on the East Coast where I wouldn't feel welcome, where the point of those clubs really is to be the preserve of rich old white dudes rather than about sailing. But in my experience, pretty much any sailor is thrilled to talk about sailing with other people who like sailing and nothing else matters. Well, it's, it's great to hear that it's a very open community where at least where you are and people are welcoming and you're like, cool, young family, boat. You're like, oh my God, overwhelming. Yes, 
I I is young. I is family. I, I boat. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and the the water does not care what you look like. It's going to treat you the same as anybody else. The the wind and the waves don't care what you look like or how old you are. I mean, there are even young kids in sailing clubs, you know, eight, nine years old out on little dinghy sailing around in the in the lakes. Everything from that to we bought our boat from some people who were in their 80s before they finally had to kind of give up sailing for health reasons, unfortunately. But I'm sure the boat is in good hands, or unless you still, you don't have the boat anymore. That's the Baba 30. We're hoping to keep her in good hands for for many years. Well, if your voice and your personality is anything like how you take care of your boat, then in case, in that case, it will be definitely in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, what is your preferred time of year to go sailing? Do you prefer going, let's say, spring, summer, early fall? Probably not winter, unless that's a winter sailing thing on ice. I don't know if that's a thing. I mean, I think they do make these weird, like, wind sail ice thingies that you can, like, race across ice with. But, I mean, that's not, you're not in the water. You're gliding across the ice. Um, <laughs> uh, those always look terrifying to me. I would say early summer and, like, early fall are my favorite. But really... We're in Minnesota, so like the season is not that long. And one of the other things about boats is that if you actually own one, there's, you know, a lot of maintenance and upkeep involved. Now, that's not how everybody sails. I know a bunch of people who just, you know, belong to clubs and they can take out boats when they want and they don't have all that burden of owning and maintaining something. Basically, we try to just sail as often as we can anytime through you know basically may through the september ish and yeah so i guess my favorite sailing season is the sailing season that exists in minnesota <laughs> wisconsin what's your favorite um, time the best times perfect answer <laughs> <laughs> the only time we can actually sail which is you know <clears throat> a few months there my favorite weather would be like Partly cloudy, like uh, 15 knots of wind. Because um, sitting out there under the sun can get intense and you literally can't sail if there's no wind. And then if there's too much wind, then that gets scary. So you want a nice balance in there. I just imagine for a second, like there's no wind at all. And you just, you and your, your husband and your son are just, they're just blowing at it or have a portable fan. It, it looks like it's in a cartoon, like in a cartoon that would work in real life. It, it doesn't work so well. <laughs> in real life, not so much, but once, um, pre-kid days, we were crossing a lake called Lake Mille Lacs and we got into really calm conditions. We also didn't have like a real motor. This was in the smaller 17 foot boat. We didn't have a real motor. And so we only, we had like a little tiny electric motor with like limited battery, very limited battery power. Um, so not like a big gas engine, um, or anything. And we were literally becalmed. Like there was no wind. The water is, they call it glassy. And it was just like sheer glass. And we really were not sure if we were going to be able to get to where we had planned to stop for the night. And at one point I actually did get out of the boat and just for fun, see if I could swim and tow the boat, which actually did kind of work. I was able to 
swim for a little while at about one and a half knots, which isn't enough to actually, you know, make any real difference. But it was just, it was a nice way to cool off on a hot day. And we we ended up fine, but it becalmed is a real thing. Like, if there isn't any wind, you're not going to go anywhere. And has it ever happened to you that you were stuck in a storm? Like, usually before you go out, you would try to check the weather, seeing if it's good conditions. But I don't know, has it ever happened to you that you've been stuck in a condition or a situation where you're like, oh my goodness, the storm's coming along, we have to head back and we're not docked yet? We've been out in Lake Superior, you know, when we're out in the islands, it can be a solid, like, well, it would take us, you know, six or eight hours to get back to the marina. And so then you've got to judge, are are we going to go back? Are we going to try to find a safe anchorage? You know, how serious is this storm? And what we're going to do. Definitely never been out in anything life-threatening, but been out where things were a little bit hairy and we were first thought, you know, like, oh, I think we'll we'll try to make it back to the marina. And then it was like, okay, maybe we'll make it back to this other anchorage. And then it was like, actually, let's just dip in and anchor around this island right here. It's not fantastic protect- protection, but this is looking a little hairy on the radar. And so it's always a balancing act. And Lake Superior can have intense weather that pops up pretty quickly. We check forecasts before we go out. We also listen to the NOAA marine forecasts over the radio periodically. And then on our newest boat, we do have some other... And sometimes we get cell reception out there which is nice because then you can see the visual radar stuff. So that all factors into it. But then you just, you have your plans for how you're going to hunker down and what your storm tactics are, are going to be, you know, sometimes it's better to actually get a little bit further out and do something called heaving two, which is where you, if you have a head sail, a jib in the front and then your mainsail, you basically have them both up to some extent, to counteract each other. And that can kind of stabilize you in in the water so that you're not moving too much. Unless you're out in like an open ocean where you're really worried about the wave height, actually being able to capsize your boat or something. One of the big worries is just getting blown into land and then running aground. And so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to be right up close, you know, snug up to shore unless you think you can find a good anchorage for that. Yeah, I heard it's not too good to ruin the bottom of your boat. <laughs> yeah. That said, you know, I we haven't, you know, ever been out on the open ocean or certainly the, the southern ocean has some crazy reputations, just insane waves, insane winds and squalls, and you're out there and you're nowhere close to any land. And so you've just got to use your storm tactics to try to get through it. And that's what the part where you're bargaining with Mother Nature, like, please, Mother Nature, be nice. I've done nothing wrong today. <laughs> yeah, or like, or when do you activate a safety device? You know, when do you call on the radio for help? When do you, there's these things called EPIRBs um, and PLBs. So basically little locator beacons that you can be like, help, rescue me. But, you know, if you're out someplace and getting a rescue, there's no guarantee. That might be you have to leave your boat there and they're going to rescue you, but they might not be able to tow your tow your boat back. And I guess you would have to come back for it eventually, unless it's like one island that just collects all these boats, then 
it's the island that collects boats. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're if you're in some place like where we sail, like the Apostle Islands, you're probably going to be able to call you're going to be able to call Boat US and be like, hey, give me a tow, and it might be expensive, but they'll eventually, you know, figure it out. If you're in the middle of the ocean, though, no, you just sink your boat. Yeah, your vice, your vice, your life is much more valuable than the boat. Absolutely. And there's, you know, stories I read of recently one that really got my heartstrings was I was on um, reading one of our sailing magazines and there was this couple who had circumnavigated the world, spent like 10 years on their boat. They were within like 24 hours of home and their boat got knocked down and flooded and their engine trashed and there was just like all of this gunky water full of stuff clogging the drains that they could have used to like drain the water out and they couldn't pump it out and they ended up having to just you know scuttle their boat and leave and get a helicopter ride after you know and that was their home for a decade that's unfortunate hopefully hopefully they have another home now and then they're back at it unless they're like you know what that's a good experience we'll move on but you never know right i i you you might know i might not know <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. Um, the article kind of ended with them helicopter riding in and they were, they were both thankfully, they were both thankfully fine and got helicoptered back to the mainland under kind of harrowing conditions, it sounds like. And that is for sure an interesting experience that nobody wants to fully experience, of course. What is the most interesting thing you've ever saw while sailing? I looked at this question <laughs> when you sent it to me and really struggled with it. I think... One of the emotionally coolest things was the first time we kind of popped out the end of the islands and I got to just look across this expanse. And it was, I think on a clear day, you probably could have seen Canada from there, um, but it wasn't quite clear enough. And it was just like water on the horizon. You know, if you didn't look backwards, it was just like water forever. It's almost as if like you were on the ocean if you're just looking ahead, which is like a surreal experience to think it just keeps going. You never know. There's like the the universe or a really, really long book. No, I'm kidding. Not a long book. <laughs> so like it just keeps going and going. And it, it kind of, I guess, I don't know for you, but I would imagine it made, it could make people feel like, wow, I'm very small, but in a good kind of way. Yeah. It's, and I guess the other, the other one that kind of fits with that would be anchoring out at night and really seeing the Milky Way. I don't know if you've ever been able to be out in nature away from city lights enough, but like when you get out far enough, the Milky Way is really obvious. It's like, it's not just like, oh, even stars across the whole sky. There's a path of concentrated stars there that is very apparent and it makes you feel small, but connected at the same time. Man, I, I, that is an awesome feeling. I remember seeing the Milky Way a few times back when I was a child in areas where there wasn't much uh, light pollution. I think that's the correct word. And it's, it's it's an awesome feeling. It's breathtaking. It's mesmerizing. And this is going into a stargazing episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there's also celestial navigation, you know, to think about. Uh, yeah, we didn't. I mean, we have GPS now. But people didn't used to have GPS. They used to use the stars and the currents and birds. And Polynesian and Micronesian sailors did that well enough to find tiny, tiny little dots in the vast Pacific Ocean 
you know, unreliably navigate between them. That's why we are all connected. That's, I find that awesome. Just like do you find ways to navigate without maps, GPS, because I'm pretty sure a thousand year, years ago, Google Maps wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, still on the concept or the topic of sailing, this is a tough question. What are some misconceptions about people who go sailing? And I think you've talked about this for old white dudes, but I'm sure there's maybe more. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of touched on that with the old white dudes. The other thing I would like to say is like old white dudes who are rich enough to own a boat. A lot of people conceive of it as a rich person's hobby. And I think like any hobby, it's probably easier if you're rich, right? Like, uh, <laughs> and it's not the cheapest one around, you know, hiking is free beyond maybe a decent pair of shoes. But sailing doesn't have the crazy barriers of entry that I think some people imagine. Uh, so for example, at least in my city, there's a local sailing club for a couple of hundred bucks, you can take a class, become a member, and then anytime their small boats aren't in use, you can kind of check one out and use it. And that's actually what my what my mother-in-law does if she's not sailing with us and wants to go out. It doesn't have to be this crazy expensive thing. The smaller boat that we bought was a couple of thousand dollars. And of course, a lot of sweat equity and you know maintenance. But then a slip for the season at a local lake is a couple of hundred bucks. So it's, you know, not free, but I once calculated it and like a cable subscription and a couple of movies a month was equivalent to what we spent in one of those first years. I'm sure not everybody wants to like give up their cable and spend that all of that on sailing instead. And that's fine. But. It doesn't have to be this crazy rich person hobby. And also, why would you not give up cable if you get to watch the Milky Way while sailing? Like, come on, that's that's nature's entertainment right there. <laughs> well, and yeah, it's a big, it's a huge form of our of our entertainment. And so we cut stuff from our budget in other areas to prioritize sailing. You know, we don't drive new cars. We bought a boat instead. And it's a form of traveling. You get to point A to point B and you do it in a nice, relaxing, and there's no need for speed bumps. Actually, you know what? That's a lie. I was going to say, there's no speed bumps in the water. Waves. They're, they're nature speed bumps. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, there are, there are definitely speed bumps in the water and they are called waves. <laughs> you're like, I, I was ready to correct Alex. You're like, Alex, you're an idiot. I was going to catch you on that. I was like, uh-uh. I caught myself saying that before. <laughs> um, and unlike speed bumps, speed bumps, you get like one or two and then you're usually done and can get out back on the highway. If your waves are being speed bumps, you can expect one of those every few seconds, maybe for the next few hours. There is a lot less rush hour traffic in the middle of the, the ocean or the lake. <laughs> I could be wrong unless like everybody's just lined up in one line going back, but I would imagine there's a lot less. That is, that is true, although you're not necessarily going very fast <laughs> anyway. There's a great quote, and I should have looked up who it was but something along the lines of sailing is the art of going nowhere in particular slowly at great expense <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to actually get somewhere quickly in this day and age a sailboat is a unwise choice for that if you're trying to have a good journey 
and you're willing to be flexible about your destination and how fast you get there, then then it's more reasonable. You know, it's kind of like, I don't want to go to my high school reunion. I'm just going to take a sailboat, so I'm kind of late. But I'll enjoy the trip going there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what has sailing taught you in life? This combination of slowing down and enjoying the moment, but also being prepared to be snappy when an emergency or not even a full-on emergency but just when when something's happen happens you know sometimes it's like oh we got to grab that line now like you need to get out of the way you need to you know tiller to port now and it's like you have to be ready to respond quickly to circumstances that can change very quickly so there's this weird tension between it being potentially very relaxing a lot of the time and like, oh, no, there's something that just has to happen right now. And you don't necessarily have like in a car, you can press the brakes and be like, OK, wait a minute. I'm not sure what's up there in a sailboat. Not necessarily that easy. I guess in a sailboat it's not just what is in front of you, but also what is under you, around you, behind you, everywhere. Yep. Like, oh, we're coming up to some rocks like <laughs> you got to do something now you can't just sit there like going, hmm <laughs> yeah that's that would not be a pretty picture it's like just thinking thinking just rips the bottom of your boat still thinking thinking oh look now i'm not thinking now i'm sinking see a little pun right there <laughs> running aground isn't always that dramatic um we we ran aground once or actually twice that day oh <laughs> in uh, <laughs> lake pepin with the smaller boat and water conditions were really high and we had a friend with us and kind of who was at the helm and misinterpreted some navigational markers and just like <laughs> ran into a seawall the boat was fine we just had to do a little work to scrape her off of the rocks you know so but you said twice in one day, so did he hit something well, else again? Well, then, then like five, then like five minutes later, we ran aground again because <laughs> we were in the same. We were in a, you know, we were trying to get out of an area that was unexpectedly to us shallow. Though in retrospect, by paying more attention, we totally could have avoided us. But it was just the water levels were a lot higher than normal that year, and we weren't super familiar with the area. Then we thought we had done some damage to the centerboard, but it turned out to be fine and it, it had just kind of gotten stuck a little bit we suspect maybe there was a stick or something down there that got dislodged and but yeah it all turned out to be fine except a little grumpiness you know what it's a conspiracy there's like creatures under the water level who was just like moving rocks right in front of your boat right before you hit it twice it's a conspiracy i'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> and uh what was your biggest challenge when you first started sailing oh i think trying to wrap my head around some of the spatial aspects like okay if the wind is coming this direction that means where wait where is the wind coming from and like okay that means we're on this kind of tack and just getting confused with some of that stuff and for me i seem to take to it pretty quickly if i just let my body kind of do what felt right but then when i tried to conceptualize it in some of these more technical terms sometimes i hit barriers which is funny because you know in my professional life i'm a scientist so i'm used to being like well yes and i will read a book 
and there will be diagrams and I will like understand these things. Learning it in just a more visceral way works better for me. Which is completely understandable. And also this is where reading and experience both come in hand in hand and help each other out. And it sounds like you have those, I would say both of those mastered down, but I'm sure there's always something new to learn. <laughs> you, you said Master, because you've never sailed with me, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yet. Keyword yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, this is a great segue. What is your current biggest challenge if you have not mastered the word that I've used? Oh, gosh. Goals. So my revised goals for this season, now that we probably aren't going to do a super long passage, are to get more comfortable with navigating in and out of slips certain things like that like my husband and i sometimes kind of fall into certain roles especially with a kid so it's like i'll do certain lines and maybe the engine but then he's responsible for this other stuff about getting out of the dock and so stretching myself to do some of those things that make me nervous just because they're not as familiar for me or seem kind of intimidating and then you know, the other big challenge is just having a small child and balancing that. So, you know, at three and a half, she's already way easier to deal with on a boat, you know, than she was at two and a half, than she was at one and a half. When she was six months old, it was actually relatively easy because I could plonk her in this little chair thing that we had, you know, down in the cabin and she wasn't like mobile and like, hey, <laughs> I'm getting into stuff. So. Yeah, there just there can be some challenges just with balancing having a kid on board with you. That said, I I wouldn't trade that for the world. She is amazing to sail with and it's amazing to see this toddler like already know some of her sailing terminology. That's awesome. And sorry, first of all, I'm so sorry that I said your son at one point. I remember I said, "Oh yeah, your son." And you're like, "No, no, Alex. I'm not going to correct you, but it's not my son." <laughs> oh, you know what? I didn't even notice that. I, um, I I very much doubt she cares. She's like, yeah, I'm a better sailor than you, Alex. I don't care. <laughs> she, she, probably, <laughs> she probably knows how to sail the boat much better than me. So I have more confidence in her than I do in me when it comes to sailing a boat. And so if she, I was going to say if she has any word of advice, but no, it's probably you. Do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Yeah, I think one of the best ways to start out is to either join a sailing club and take some lessons or at least just like, you know, joining, uh, there are some less expensive yacht clubs out there and just getting involved in the community a little bit. It, like I was kind of saying before, it's a very welcoming community in my experience and people love to talk about their boats and they love to give you advice. And it's not necessarily that you should take all of that advice as the you know gospel truth but generally speaking people who have boats or who are involved in the club are interested and want to get other people into the hobby and they want other people in you know in the fold with them so you don't have to go out and buy a boat you know you can take a sailing lesson and see if you like it and talk with some people around and, you know, hear what they have to say. So it doesn't have to be the kind of thing where you just dive in head first and never look back. 
See, I kind of like that idea because I would imagine in the past it was pretty excluded, excluded clubs for people who had more money and then the renting aspect didn't really exist. But nowadays you can pretty much rent anything and everything. So it kind of gives you the chance to try out a hobby like sailing. And if you like it, you can dive in more into it or sail in more into it. If that's a term I can use in this case, but yeah, I like that idea. And then as you mentioned, the community is pretty open, like they want to keep it growing and they're very welcoming and it's kind of like a child. They'll try to give you advice. You don't have to take everything, but you know, just listening here and there doesn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. You get um, some good grains there. You might get some invitations to go out on a bigger boat. You know, I will say I've never seen a place that will just without any kind of class, any kind of experience or certification, just like rent you who's never sailed before a sailboat for the day. Like there's usually a little bit more some level of checking involved. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> You're like, they would take a look at me. It's like, all right, Alex, you want to rent a boat? Yep. What experience do you have? I boat. Okay, Alex, no, no, we cannot. <laughs> um, you know, a paddleboard. Here, you can have one. Of our, you can have a kayak. <laughs> here's here's a boogie board. Um, <laughs> here's a here's a life jacket. Just figure it out yourself. Um, but you know, there are um, fairly inexpensive, and in some cases, I think even free or very low cost, depending on your income and stuff, uh, classes out there or arrangements where if, so for example, my mother-in-law belongs to the sailing club at a local lake and has passed their test. She can take somebody out with her on one of their boats for free. And so that's the sort of thing where, you know, spending some time around the community, getting to know people, asking questions, you know, can even be a free entry point or without without too much. Because then she's the one who's in charge of like, please bring this boat back to the dock in one piece. Yeah, it's a lot friendlier. Like I would imagine a boating dock is a lot more friendlier than let's say a parking lot because the same rules don't necessarily apply except the rule of you have to have a license before you get a car, which makes sense. And you have to drive with a license. But I'm sure like if you go up to an, into a parking lot, usually you don't have like people like, oh, wow, cool. Let me come in my car. Come drive with me. It's like, well, it's, a, <laughs> it's like less friendly, but it, it sounds like the boating community is a lot more open, which is fantastic. And it sounds like your family is very open to help out other people and to share the experience with everybody. Your daughter, see, I got it right this time. Your daughter loves it very much. <laughs> and uh, this is not a good segue, but for my last question, actually, no, I have another question before. Um, you said you didn't have any social media links or anything like that, but do you have any websites for people to go check out to go help them learn more about sailing? Oh, gosh. Well, so there's a lot of stuff out there in terms of blogs and lots of other stuff uh one resource i love is uh something called good old boat magazine it's primarily a print magazine they do have uh, a website though generally more focused on smaller crafts a lot of diy stuff you know you've got your like cruising world which is like we have a 50 foot boat and our you know faffing off to Tahiti for a year, you know, kind of stuff that's out of reach of your average person. But good old boat magazine is like, oh no, how do I fix these winches? More of that level of stuff. Or like, this head is smelly. What's, you know, what are some good solutions for the the head is the toilet on a boat? Um, Nautical terminology there. So I love that magazine for the focus on kind of sailing focus topics for more your average Joe. 
you know what? Those are great resources. And I'll put those links down below so people can go check it out. So it's very easy to find. And it'll make it so people can learn more about sailing and boating in general. And now for the actual last question, the one where I'm always not experienced, but always make myself look like a fool, which I'm completely comfortable with. Do you have any questions for me about sailing? It could be absolutely anything at all. Have I changed your perceptions about sailing? Yes, you did. I actually did take some sailing classes uh, back when I was younger doing like uh, camps and stuff like that. Do I remember all of it? Nope. But I remember there's a lot of like uh, figure, figuring out how to do things, but it was fun. It was like a tennis and yacht thing or not a yacht, but a sailing club. But it was like for a week. So you, a week is not enough to learn how to sail. <laughs> but you did open the idea that it is an open community and they're, they're well, depending on like on your community, they're very welcoming to everybody, which is great because sometimes the stereotypes and stuff like that, they make people hesitate. But this is why we have people like you on this podcast to just break down those stereotypes saying, hey, this is what we do. This is not, this is what we don't do. This is who we are, which is fantastic. Other than that, yeah, you, you just made it sound more friendly. Well, remember your, remember your PFDs and sunscreen. Yep. I am bald. I've done the mistake of not putting sunscreen on my bald head. Not fun. I would imagine in the dead of, yeah, exactly. It's just like, I look like a snake just peeling like a whole new, like I have a new bald cap just in case, uh, that's this is getting really weird <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know i'm gonna stop myself right there uh so there you have it another body with a hobby thank you so much maya for coming on and just sharing your passion about sailing and just sharing your experience of it and your journey thank you have a good weekend so if you guys want to learn more about sailing i'll put those links down below so you can guys you guys can go check it out and if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com and of course, if you like the podcast, you know, you can leave a review. Reviews are always good. I will not say no, whether it's a good one or a bad one. I'm an open book. Uh, don't leave a review in a book. That'd be weird. Because if, like, if it's a library book, you don't do that. Anyways, once again, I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, also, if you'd like to show some more support, I have uh, merchandise being sold on Redbubble and I also have a Patreon. But those are all optional. You don't need to do it if you don't want to. And so, yeah, once again, thank you so much, Maya. Thank you. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.